Hi, and welcome to another episode of Property Legal 101, a weekly podcast where I will discuss, simplify and explain different legal topics in relation to UK property transactions so that you can approach your own property projects with more confidence and communicate more effectively with your sister. My name is Josh Yam, Associate Partner at Spencer West LLP, and in this week's episode, I'll be discussing the legal process of a standard second-hand property purchase. Now, there are already a lot of resources available on the internet, which explains the basic structure of a standard property purchase from a client's point of view. So, with this in mind, whilst I will still set this out, what I want to focus a bit more on in this episode is to discuss the purchase from the perspective of a purchasing solicitor and explain what we are doing behind the scenes at each stage of the transaction. As you will note from the name of this episode, we will also be focusing only on a second-hand property purchase and not a purchase of a new build property. As I mentioned in previous episodes, there are a few practical differences between the two types of purchases and different technical considerations which need to be taken into account, so I'll be doing a separate episode to explain a new build property purchase. With all this being said, let's begin today's episode. When it comes to a property purchase, most information resources will divide the purchase process roughly into four key stages from the point of view of a client. Offer and acceptance, exchange of contract, legal completion, and post-completion registration. Typically, a solicitor will enter the equation after the offer and acceptance stage, when your offer on the property has been accepted by the seller and a transaction is officially underway. From a solicitor's point of view, however, This is too simplistic, and it would be more accurate to split the purchase legal process into a series of mini-stages and key stages. Let's have a look at each of these stages in chronological order, and let's assume in this scenario that you are the client purchasing a second-hand property, and you will be instructing me as your solicitor. Stage 1. Client Engagement Once your offer has been accepted by the seller, the property agent will prepare a sales memorandum which is a non-binding document setting out the key terms of the sale agreed between you and the seller, such as the purchase price, any special conditions for the purchase, and also any agreed initial timeframes that you will both work towards. The sales memorandum will only be issued to me once I have been formally instructed by you. For most law firms, this will typically involve the signing of an engagement letter and also transfer of a certain amount of money on account from you to the firm for the purpose of carrying out tasks on your behalf which require third-party payment such as placing property searches. The firm's compliance procedures will also begin and your solicitor will likely request for certain documents from you in order to clear UK anti-money laundering regulations. I would normally also like to have a phone call with you at this stage to introduce myself properly to you and also to have a discussion to know a little bit more about your background and any specific requirements you may have for this transaction, such as any specific dates you have in mind for exchange and completion. This helps me to manage your expectations right from the start, if, for example, the timeframe you had in mind is not really realistic. It would also help me to prioritise my workload and tailor my approach to this matter based on your specific needs. Stage 2. Review of Contract and Property Title Document Pack Once the sales memorandum has been issued, 
the seller solicitor will produce and send the initial draft contract and title document pack for the property to me. The size of this pack will depend entirely on the property and can vary greatly. A typical document pack for a freehold property, for example, may contain less documents than that for a leasehold property. With regards to the draft contract, I would typically expect to be provided with a generic blank form contract as prescribed by Law Society. This draft contract will contain all the standard accepted purchase terms, but will not be tailored for the specific transaction or property you are purchasing. At this early stage, all I'll be doing is a basic initial review to make sure the key details are correct. Based on the results of my due diligence later, I will propose additional clauses to the contract as necessary. I will also be starting to formulate a list of questions, which I think I will need to ask the seller solicitor in relation to the property. Stage 3. Placing property searches. Using the information from the title pack, property searches will be placed at this stage with a third-party provider. Generally, there are four main searches which are placed. Local authority search, environmental search, water and drainage search, and chancel check. The purpose of these searches are to check whether there are any underlying issues with the land that the property sits on. The local authority search will review information about the target property, such as historical planning applications and building regulations, as well as information on the wider surrounding area around the property, such as any traffic control schemes or transport projects planned by the local authority. For the environmental and water and drainage search, as the name suggests, these look at whether there are any underlying environmental risks with the target land, such as flood risk or substance risk, and information in relation to the water supply and sewerage arrangements at the property. Chancel check reveals whether there is a known risk of chancel repair liability within the area that the property is located in. Chancel repair liability is a historical legal obligation which requires certain property and land owners to pay and contribute towards repairs of a local parish church. The risk rarely materialises, but if it does, the potential costs could be high. If you are obtaining a mortgage for your purchase, these searches will be a mandatory requirement for any lender. If the search results reveal any adverse entries, then I will need to see clarification or solutions for these items before the transaction can proceed. Stage 4. Raise inquiries. Besides any adverse search results, there will also likely to be a number of questions by now which I will need to raise to the seller solicitor. The nature of these inquiries will vary and could be requests for missing documents, clarification on inaccurate, unclear or contradictory information from what has been provided, or any other specific questions which you have asked me to raise to the seller. The purpose of raising inquiries is to make sure that I obtain as much information as possible on the target property and try and find out about any, if not all, potential legal risks. For any such risks, I would try as much as possible to take steps to limit your exposure to them or to find solutions to resolve them. Where this is not possible, at the very least, I want to ensure that you are making a fully informed decision and that you are aware of all the possible risks you are taking in proceeding. Well carried out due diligence is vital, and avoid situation in the future where you are blindsided by a nasty surprise. My personal approach to property due diligence is to ask too much rather than too little. But having said this, the types of questions and the number of questions raised are at the discretion of the purchasing solicitor. 
and some questions are more essential than others. When raising inquiries, I will normally tailor my approach based on my client's needs, which I have understood from the point of engagement. There may be certain situations where it would not be in my client's best interest to raise every single question I can think of about the property. In these situations, I will balance my duties to carry out good due diligence without overly delaying proceedings unnecessarily. Once I have replied from the seller solicitor, I will also at this point be able to consider and propose any additional contract clauses I feel necessary in order to protect your interest. Key Stage 1 Clearing UK Anti-Money Laundering Regulations This is what I consider to be the first key stage in a purchase transaction because if anti-money laundering regulations, also known as AML, are not satisfied, then we as solicitors firstly cannot accept funds from you and even if we do, we certainly cannot utilise your funds towards any aspect of the purchase. Conveyancing is seen as high risk for AML purposes, and regulations in this area has become increasingly strict over the years, with non-compliance being a possible criminal offence. However, part of the pain point for practitioners, and why AML procedures often take so long, is because whilst penalties for non-compliance can be severe for all parties involved, the client, the law firm, and the acting professional, there are no actual guidance from the government on what exact documents are needed to be obtained, so it is left to the law firm to decide for themselves what they need based on the client's funding arrangement, and every law firm will have a different approach depending on their appetite to risk-taking. For all of my clients, I take clearing the AML procedure very seriously, and do as reasonably thorough of a job as possible. This is not just for the benefit of myself and my firm, but also, more importantly, to minimise any risk exposures for you, my client. What I would not want is for AML issues to be revealed later on if your file is audited. For clients, AML can also be frustrating because you'll be asked to clear this on multiple occasions by various parties throughout the transaction. A common question I have from clients is why we cannot rely on the AML checks done by others, for example the mortgage lender, who will also undertake extensive source of wealth and funding checks before proceeding any mortgage application. Unfortunately, the answer to this is that it is not possible because the regulations require each set of professionals involved in a transaction, which includes property agents, mortgage brokers, mortgage lenders and us as solicitors, to carry out and satisfy our own AML checks, and we cannot simply rely on each other for this. Having said this, there are often overlaps in the documents we request, so what you should find is that once you have cleared one set of AML checks, the same set of documents you have prepared should be mostly acceptable to complete the AML checks of others. I say mostly because there may be situations where this is not the case. For example, if there is a large time gap between the different AML checks and documents become outdated. Stage 5. Review of Mortgage Offer if you are obtaining a mortgage for the purchase and your mortgage offer has been issued to you, your lender will also send a set of your mortgage papers to me directly. Once received, I will do an initial review of these to make sure the key details are correct, such as the property address and also your name. This is important because the lender will need any discrepancies to be amended before drawdown can take place. And these amendments will often involve the lender reissuing a new set of mortgage papers entirely, which could take time. 
I would normally at this stage also make sure that the lender has not raised any special conditions to your mortgage offer, which needs to be satisfied prior to drawdown. If they have, I would look to deal with these immediately and satisfy them as soon as possible to avoid any delays or issues going forward. Depending on what the conditions are, I may also need to insist that we do not exchange contracts with the seller until the lender confirms satisfaction in order to protect your interest. Stage 6. Report on title. Once all the previous stages have been largely done, I will be able to finalise and provide you with my report on title. A report on title is a solicitor's summary on all the due diligence they have carried out and will contain all the key information that you will need to be aware of in relation to the target property in order to make an informed decision whether to proceed or not. Every firm and every solicitor will have their own style when producing this report, but for me, I try to keep my report and titles as user-friendly and accessible as possible. So I aim to use simple language and plenty of bullet points in my report. The report on title is a very important document, so you should take time to read through this carefully and make sure you understand the content completely. If you have any questions on the report or don't understand any points raised by your solicitor, you should definitely seek clarification with them. You may also find after reading the report that you actually have additional questions or concerns about the property. My advice to you if this is the case is to not be scared or feel like you should not make a fuss. Always speak to your solicitor and let them know of your concerns. This is infinitely better than exchanging contracts and then finding out that these additional concerns are actually material to you. I like my phone calls, so I would normally be looking to arrange this with you after you have had time to review my report so that we can sit down, discuss and go through any details necessary. I find that 95% of my clients' concerns can be resolved this way. For example, if you have a concern that I feel has already been sufficiently addressed by the seller solicitor, I can let you know the reason why during our call. However, if there are any points which we conclude together have not been addressed sufficiently, there is absolutely nothing wrong with going back to the seller solicitor to clarify these points. Key stage 2. Proposing a completion date. At this stage, we'll be very close to being ready for exchange, and I'll be having another discussion with you as to a date to propose for final completion. If you are purchasing with a mortgage, I will provide advice on what I view as a realistic time frame, sufficient for us to secure drawdown. It is important that we propose and set a realistic and achievable completion date, because once exchanged, the completion date we set will be binding. And if we miss this, or if there are any unforeseen delays, then there will be contractual consequences for you, and the seller will be contractually entitled to remedies such as penalty interest. Key Stage 3 Exchange of Contract Once everything is in order and you are happy to proceed, we will then offer exchange to the seller and their solicitors. This is a key stage in any purchase transaction, because once contracts are exchanged, both parties will become legally bound to complete the transaction. This means that even if you change your mind the day after exchange, you will not be able to simply withdraw. As soon as we have exchanged contracts, I will be looking to begin the next stage immediately, pre-completion preparation. Stage 7. Pre-completion preparation. After exchange, the seller solicitor will prepare and issue final completion documents to me. This will include any legal documents required, 
and also their final completion statement. After I have reviewed these and make sure there are no issues, I will arrange with you to sign and return these. From a client's perspective, besides the signing of completion papers, pre-completion preparation will also involve the transfer of the remaining completion funds required to your solicitor's firm client account. For the solicitor, however, we will need to carry out a few other tasks behind the scenes, such as placing pre-completion searches at UK Land Registry and making sure these results are clear. We will also be coordinating with any lenders to make sure funds are released on time for completion. I will be making sure at this stage that my communication with you is constant, so that we can work towards completion together as seamlessly as possible. And if any issues arise, we can also work to resolve these together promptly. Key Stage 4 Completion On the agreed date of completion, any lender will typically release the net mortgage advance to the client account of the buyer's listed law firm. Once I have received this, I will in turn transfer the agreed amount required to complete the transaction to the firm of the seller solicitor. Once the seller solicitor own funds, I will formally complete with them, and the seller solicitor will notify the seller and the agent for the property keys to be released to you. At this point, you will officially be the new legal owner of the property. Congratulations. Key Stage 5 Post-Completion Registration Whilst you'll be busy moving into and enjoying your new home, I will be assisting you to finish off post-completion tasks and perfect your ownership title. This will include submitting and paying the stamp duty on your behalf and also submitting your title registration application at UK Land Registry. For leasehold properties, I will also need to deal with any formality requirements involving the landlord to make sure that you are not in breach. If Land Registry raise any questions on our title application, I will also assist to deal with these. Once registration has been completed at Land Registry, I will tie up any loose ends, for example sending title documents to the lender if they require these to be kept in their possession. After that, all that will be left for me to do is to congratulate you again, do my final report to you and prepare to close our file. That is my summary of a basic second-hand purchase transaction from a solicitor's point of view and concludes this week's episode. Hopefully you have found the content insightful and understand more about what we do for you behind the scenes. In next week's episode, I will look at some of the costs and disbursements which you will have to pay in the property purchase besides the purchase price. As always, if you have any questions on what we have talked about this week, or if you have any topics you would like me to address in a future episode, feel free to email me at propertylegal101 at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and see you all next week.